0: and he'll be able to make it to that. Well, we are moving forward into our series, Marveled, in awe of the greatest power of all time, right? That's what we want to be in awe of, God. I mean, there's some great superpowers uh, out there. There's, there's some, some uh, uh, what do you call them? I'm blanking on superheroes, whatever you want to call them, out there that people will go to and talk about and all that kind of stuff. Of course, we know it's make-believe, but, but God isn't make-believe, And there is something I think that we need to keep in mind, that in a world that emphasizes a lot of things that are make-believe, we need to make sure we're always communicating clearly that God is real. He's not just another fantasy story. He's real. He created what we know, what we see, and He gave eternal life, and that life is found through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're going to continue. I think we have a lot to be marveled at this last week as we think about what God has done through sports camp, through movie nights, and just in your lives, in the things that are going on. Well, we are going to go into another Psalm, Psalm 86 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Psalm 86. I'll also have some Scripture on the overhead here, and you can follow along. But I want to start by looking at some everyday things that make people angry. Are there little things that go on in your day that just kind of get under your skin? So I went out and just did you know, a survey out on the web to find out the, the everyday things that make people angry. And it's kind of interesting what, what comes up. Some of these I'm like, yep, that's right on the mark. <laughs> Some of them am like, eh, I don't know. But for other people, I'm sure it does make them angry. So here's one. When you swipe your card at the gas pump and then it says, please see cashier. Right? And you're like, oh, are you kidding me? Or how about this one? When you open a bag of chips and the tear goes all the way down the side, throws chips everywhere, and you ruin the whole bag. Like it just can't pop open on the top, right? Uh, When the person in front of you in the express checkout has way more than 10 items. (laughs) Or large groups that walk slowly down the sidewalk, and you can't get around them, they're all bunched up together. Or, like, this is very similar, when you're walking through an automatic door and you have to slow down for the door to open. And this one was found on almost every, every survey that I saw. People chewing with their mouths open. So I guess that makes quite a few people upset. That's good to know, right? Sales uh, call at home. And that was certainly on landline, that was always bad. Before caller ID, and you just sit down to dinner, somebody calls, you pick it up, and hey, would you like such and such? (laughs) Click, no. (laughs) Um, Or how about this, when it rains right after you washed your car? (laughs) Sitting and chewing gum? That can kind of ruin your day. When people do not cover their mouths when they cough? can make some people angry. So there's a, there's a whole list out there. Now, a question I want to leave with you is this. What would God's anger list look like? You know, if you think about what you're doing in your life, are there some things that you think maybe that would make God upset? Like, for instance, I don't have time to pray or read God's Word, but I always have time to look on my phone at, you know, social media or see what emails come in or text or something like that, right? Would that make God a little jealous, maybe upset? Um, I don't have the, the money to do what I feel like God wants me to do with those funds, but I have money to go out and buy a coffee every day. Would that make God upset. Um, little things like that, like what, what is it that we've maybe compiled, what kind of a list that maybe would make God angry? I think we think about those things, and I think it's okay to think about those things, but it's also good to remind ourselves that while we need to do better, and certainly we need to reflect on those things and have conviction and certainly bring them before God and ask for forgiveness, it's also a great reminder that God shows grace instead of anger, and that's one of the things we need to be marveled at. We should be marveled because God shows grace instead of anger. People like to point fingers at God and blame Him for personal and world-sized problems. Right? Maybe in our own circumstance or we look around what the world's going on and going through and we think, okay, this is all God's problem. But I think those who really know God stand in awe that he would even give us more than a second of his time, let alone all of eternity. We've got to be in awe that this, this powerful God, the creator God, would actually give us more than a second of time because he doesn't have to. He could be angry. He could wipe us off the face of the earth. He could do all of that. In fact, here's a great verse. If you're thinking about this and you're going, is this really true? Look at this. Romans nine twenty-two to 23, it says, in the same way, even though God has the right to show His anger and His power because He's a holy God and He created things, look at what He goes on to say. He is very patient with those on whom His anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of His glory shine even brighter on those to whom He shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. God could show His anger, and He will, and He did. If you read through the gospel account in Jesus and you hear about what the Old Testament has to say and you see what the gospels have to say, you'll read in there throughout all the Bible that God's wrath was poured out upon His own Son, Jesus Christ. His anger and His wrath poured out upon Him for the sins of the world. And then He chose to bear with patience us, people that every day must drive Him crazy. We often talk about the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit who is also God. God the Father watched His Son be crucified, which have been terrible, difficult, Powerful God watching His Son be crucified, watching the sins of the world be poured upon Him. Jesus Christ Himself went through the pain, went through the agony, took the sins of the world upon Himself. Now think about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living in us and is with us every day and has to put up with us every day. Each one of the persons of the Trinity suffers with creation, with people, with us because God is patient, God is loving, God is caring, and God chooses to show His grace and mercy rather than anger. So in this psalm specifically, verse 5, you have, for you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call you. That's verse 5. And then if you jump to verse 15, it says, but you, Lord, are a gracious or excuse me, a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. You'll find that verse, verse 15, in several places throughout the Bible. And one place you'll find it very specifically is in the story of Jonah. Jonah goes to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Jonah was very happy about God's grace and mercy and compassion in his own life, but he didn't want God to be gracious to Nineveh. Nineveh was a wicked city, and he said, I don't want to go there, God. And so he goes the opposite direction. God sends a great fish, swallows Jonah, teaches him a lesson. Jonah goes back, but when he does, he says, God, I didn't want to come here. I didn't want to ask these guys to repent because I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. That was his reason. He didn't want to show God's love to other people, even though he himself was a recipient of God's love. And that's a great lesson for us. We love to receive God's mercy and grace and compassion. But when we're tested to give it to other people, how do we respond? Are we kind of like Jonah and we want to fly the other direction, run the other direction? God is a gracious and compassionate God. He has shown us throughout all of his scriptures, all throughout his word, that he is compassionate and gracious. And still yet, people today will blame God and be angry at God. That's amazing. We ought to stand in, in, in awe. We ought to be marveled that God would give us a second of his time, let alone all eternity. That's amazing. So first point, as we're having hard times, I don't know, anybody here have hard times? Okay, we got one. All right. Thank you, Christiana. Yeah. Okay, a few more saying, yeah, I've got some hard times. All right. As we have hard times, there, there are things we can learn. And certainly through this psalm, I think that's what David is doing. He's going back to God, and he's saying, yes, I have some hard times in life. And when I have hard times, I want to handle those the right way. So I was thinking back through my life, and I know through junior high all of us probably relate to this somewhat, right? Junior high was kind of an uncomfortable time for most people, right? You look back. I remember um, my legs in junior high are about the size they are now. So it looked like a kid with two tree trunks coming out of it, right? Walking around. And then I, I grew out my hair. Uh, and when my hair gets long, it gets kind of wavy and curly. So it looked like I had George Washington hair. And I was walking around. And, uh, and then to top it all off, I was in choir, one of the only boys in choir, which probably didn't help my status quo too much, but uh, that was that was my, my junior high years, and I remember feeling awkward and not fitting in, and, and then realizing later on that kind of everybody in junior high feels that way to some extent. How did you handle that? Or how did you handle the first time you received some really bad news about your health? Maybe you haven't yet, maybe you're still Thinking you might down the road, but but how did you handle that? I remember I was 19 years old when I got a, a call that says, "Hey, we took some blood tests and you need to come in because there's some things that concern us." It's like, man, that's kind of weird. So I go in and find out that they need to do some more tests, and eventually, what they came back and said is, "You could possibly have a rare form of leukemia." I thought, really? Like I'm 19. Uh, and so about three weeks, I had to wait after I take this red mass blood test. And, uh, and they come back and say, well, I guess you're just abnormally normal. So there you go, right? But for a while there, you're thinking to yourself, okay, do, do I have, am I going to die? I mean, leuke- I knew enough about leukemia. You know, that's it's pretty serious. How do you handle that? So instead of having leukemia, I just, he's like, well, you, you might die of a heart attack or something because your blood's thick. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's all right too. But, uh, but those are the things that you, you, know, you go through with health. Well, then there's other things. Had a baby, had several children, but the third one, three days old, temperature of 103 or so. We had to rush to the the doctor and then go into the emergency room at Children's Hospital. It's amazing when you walk in and you jump over everybody else. There's a whole line of people, and they're like, oh, here's an infant with this temperature. And all these nurses come out, and you watch them go into this emergency room. they bent her kind of in half, and they stuck a needle into her, her spinal cord. And I remember there was Rebecca on the other side of the curtains, and then there was Lila, and she was, sorry, still gets me today. Um, she was crying, and, and what do you do? You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, by God's grace, she's just fine today. But, but there you are in that situation. Those are hard times, Right? What do you do when, when you get chewed out at work, when somebody comes and complains about who, what you're doing and you have all those types of things that are building up? Life can get hard. Some of you have experienced far more difficult things than that. Well, the psalmist here, David, he had a hard life at times, and this is what he did. One, he would beg God to protect him. And what he always found is that God delivers. You see, when hard times come, oftentimes there's temptation that comes with it. There's times where we want to flee to other things. There's times we want to go to other gods, which he'll talk about in this psalm. And he'll want to go in a different direction and find hope and help and and peace somewhere else. And so he prays for protection. Look at what he says here. Listen, Lord, and answer me. I am poor and needy. And I don't think he's talking about monetary Uh, wealth here. I think he's just saying, you know, I'm I'm hurting. I'm poor. I'm spiritually poor. I'm suffering. I'm struggling. I'm needy. So protect my life because I'm faithful. Okay, I'm faithful. I, I may not be perfect. I like how he says it here. He's not perfect. He doesn't do everything right, but he's faithful. He pursues God. He follows God. He trusts God. He's faithful. And in fact, he even goes on. He says, you are my God. There is no other God but you. You are my God, save your servant who trusts in you, because I'm faithful. Can you say that about your relationship with God? That's the protection we're asking. Lord, help me to be faithful. Because at times when it's hard, we we sometimes want to go away from God rather than to God. So protect me. I'm faithful. I'm going to follow you. And Then he goes in verse 3, be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. You get a sense here that whether you know, he stopped his, his job and as a king and just focused on God for all that day, or was he just going through his, his routine through the day and just constantly focused on him? Was he fasting to help him remind that? I don't know. It's not said in here, but he does say, I call to you all day long. So as a regular occurrence, please, God, help me, protect me all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life, because right now it doesn't feel like there's much joy there. I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Do you believe that? And God has already shown us that he loves us. He created us. He's, he already is patient with us. He's shown us his grace. But yet we have to remind ourselves of this, right? Regularly, we have to say, Lord, I know you're faithful. I believe this. There's some other great psalms. Psalm 146, verses 5 through 10, it says, Happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord, in, his, or in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever, executing justice for the exploited and giving food to the hungry. The Lord frees prisoners. Here's what he does. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects resident aliens and helps the father. And the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Zion, your God, reigns for all generations. Hallelujah. God is powerful, and he reigns, and he protects, and he cares for his creation. He cares for his children who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So we come to verse 6 Lord, hear my prayer, listen to my plea for mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress, for you will answer me. And he has this great confidence, God, I know you will answer me. And that ought to be our prayer as well. Well, when we're having hard times, we want to beg God to protect us because we know that we're going to go in different directions and we need to stay focused on who he is as our God. But we also need more strength. So we turn to the most powerful. You'll see how these kind of build on each other. Who else can we turn to? I remember as a kid, uh, my, the most powerful person in the world to me was my dad, right? He could even have competitions. I don't know if he had competitions at like school. Like, oh, my dad's stronger than your dad. Oh, yeah, my dad could lift 10 trucks. You know, my dad could pull a freight train, whatever. You know, you know, go back and forth. It was like, my dad, my dad. Well, we have a, a God who is stronger than anybody's dad. And he is our dad. He is our father. And he's there to help. He's there to protect us. He has this this strength, and and he is the most powerful. There is no other God who is more powerful than the God who created all that we know. It's just as simple as that. You look at the, the sun and how powerful the sun is, and then you compare the sun to the rest of the universe and the other stars and the other suns that are in the universe, and you go, wow, our sun is tiny compared to what's out there. And God created it. God breathed it into existence. It's incredible. He's powerful. And the psalmist knows that. So he says, Lord, there is no one like you among the gods. There are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. Now, up to this point, we haven't seen that yet, But that is something that will be talked about in the future where all nations, all people will come and bow down to him. Look at what Philippians 2 says. It says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. So he's talking about Jesus Christ who's come to this earth, who's lived out his life, who's gone to the cross, humbled himself to that point so that the wrath of God could be poured out upon Christ. Verse 9, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, future tense, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that can happen right here on this earth for people or it can happen in the future after they've died and it's either going to happen for people when they're in heaven or it's going to happen for some people who are in hell who have rejected Christ but then eventually see that he is the Lord. But it will happen. Everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because God is that great. God is that big. God is that powerful. For you are great and you perform wonders. You alone are God. It's summertime, and if you have, I know it gets kind of late, but if you have the opportunity, go out and just sit under the stars. See how awesome God is. You start to see how small you and I are when you look at the whole universe. We have a powerful God and there's nobody more powerful to turn to. So when we're having hard times, we beg God to protect us. We need more strength, and we call on Him. But this always comes up. Lord, help us understand, right? We're going through this hard time, so help us understand. Why are we going through this hard time? Why is this so difficult? Why is this so hard? In time, God teaches us. And I think that's important to remember. It's in time. It doesn't always happen right away when we ask it. But in time, He helps us understand why some of the things happen the way they do. I was in high school when uh, my, my mom had to sit me down because I was starting to get kind of mean, I guess, towards people. And I started to ask the question, okay, why am I getting to a point where I feel like I don't have a lot of people, a lot of friends around me at this time? It was in my, between my sophomore and junior year of high school. And my mom sat me down and she said, well, Ryan, if you're asking that question, I'll tell you, it's because you're a jerk. <laughs> All right. Thanks, mom. Um, but what she, she was right and she was absolutely right. And the reason why is because I had come to a point where I realized that I could use sarcasm to make some people laugh. But what happens with sarcasm? Sarcasm is, I define it as, it's uh, humor at the expense of someone else. And if you use sarcasm enough, you actually hurt enough people that eventually you don't have very many friends left, right? And so you can get to a point in life where you use sarcasm and you start to go, Wow, I've made these people laugh, but eventually you don't have very many people around you because, you know, they've been hurt. And so I had to readjust and start to think through, Lord, I need to repair some relationships in life. And so for the next several years, I worked harder at repairing relationships rather than sarcasm. What I didn't realize is that was something that God used in me to help me in the future know how to build and repair relationships. So see, sometimes God takes something and you think, wow, this is hard, this is difficult, I, I, I don't know why I'm going through this, and then He uses it. And eventually down the road, we look back and we go, oh, That's why. And we understand. We want to understand, and in time, He teaches us. Look at what He says here, verses 11 to 13. Teach me Your way, Lord, and I will live by Your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear Your name. An undivided mind. In other words, help me not go this way or that way. Help me to stay focused on who You are and what You have to say. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and I will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great. And you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. You help me understand. Now again, when you're asking that question, why is this happening, God? It may take some time, but in time, God does show us. And maybe it'll be when we go to eternity. Or maybe it'll be five years from now. Maybe it'll be five months from now or five minutes. But at some point, God will help us understand. And he asks us to be, in the, in the meantime, he asks us to be faithful. So we're having hard times. We beg God to protect us. We need more strength. We want to understand. And after we begin to understand, we beg even for more strength because we understand that. Uh, while God is the God we turn to, we actually need to call on that and rely on that strength. And so he brings us back to this point. We beg for strength and he shows us the way. Verse 14 to 17. God, arrogant people have attacked me. Now David went through many times in his life where people were attacking him. They were chasing him. They were going after him, trying to destroy him. So he says, God, arrogant people have attacked me. A gang of ruthless men intend to kill me. They do not let you guide them. Do you know that there are things in life we cannot control? Hopefully you've learned that lesson by now. Maybe you're a controlling person and you want to control things, and I get that. You're like, oh, it would be nice if I could just live in a bubble and control my little bubble, right? But there are things in life you cannot control, and one of the things you cannot control is how people treat you. And here David calls out to God, God, there are arrogant people in my life, and it's driving David crazy. In fact, it hurts him, and he wants some help. He needs strength. And since we can't control it, we beg then to the one who can control it, and that's God. And so he says, But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. So help me through this. I probably haven't handled it correctly while arrogant people are coming after me, while people are trying to hurt me, while I'm going through this hard time. I don't know that I've handled it correctly. So, God, please be patient and arrogant, or please be patient and compassionate towards me. And it's quite possible that David is even saying, Lord, continue to show grace and compassion toward those who may even be after me. But then later on, he does say, you know, vindicate and so forth. But here, David is, is asking, God, please show, show this grace and compassion and control this situation. Help me with the situation because it's out of, out of control. I can't, I can't fix it. And there are times, hard times, where that happens. So when I'm watching my, my three-day-old child uh, get this, this syringe stuck into her back, you know, part of me is like, as a dad, I like want to go and push all the nurses away and just hold her in my hands and be like, you know, it's going to be okay. And then, and then part of me is like, no, I have to, to let this happen because we need to know if she has spinal meningitis. And so you go through that whole ordeal. God, give me strength for that. Be compassionate and gracious in that time. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you've gone through a time period where, where you're struggling with God to follow God and you need that, that grace and that mercy and you need God to be slow to, to anger. Because maybe you've piled up a list of things and you know God has every right to be jealous or angry towards you. God will be gracious and compassionate. It's okay to come to him and ask him for that. And he'll show that grace and that mercy and his compassion. Verses 16 says, Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your female servant. Beg for strength to endure what's uh, what's out of your control. And then you can take comfort in letting it go. Verse 17, Show me a sign of your goodness. My enemies will see and be put to shame because of you, Lord. You have helped me and have comforted me. He finds great comfort in that as he ends this psalm. He says, God, there's a hard time. I've got people coming after me. I know that as you are gracious and compassionate towards me, you may choose to be gracious and compassionate towards them, or they may come to a point where they see what's going on and they'll be put to shame. And he takes comfort in that as well. But whatever happens, he's going to take comfort in the fact that God's in control and he's not. That's what we need to take comfort in as well. Well, one thing, uh, as I look at, at God's love for us today, so this was before Jesus Christ walked on the earth that David wrote this. Today we look at this verse, Romans five eight. But God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you ever have the question, "Does God really love me?" Has God really shown grace and mercy and compassion towards me? I always go back to this verse, Romans five eight. God demonstrates His own love for in towards us that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. Sorry, I memorized it in a different translation, but um, but that's that's what I go back to to remind myself. This is how much God loves me that He would go to the cross on my behalf, that He would take my sins upon Himself, suffer, bleed, and die. But the cool part is three days later he rises from the dead and now I'm united with him and I have this life with him and I live in this newness of life in Christ and I'm marveled because God has chosen to show grace instead of anger towards me and I hope you know that too and I hope you're marveled that God has shown grace instead of anger towards you so as we close, I want to ask you to reflect on a couple questions here. The first one is this. Are you living in fear of God's anger? There are a lot of people who are. There are. a lot of people asking the question, is God mad at me? Is God angry at me? A lot of people wondering, are they going through life just kind of dodging lightning bolts, like is God up there just ready to zap them at some point? Are you living in fear of God's anger? So we have a response card. And if you say, yeah, I'm living in fear of God's anger, would you like to know more about living in God's grace? Again, there are times we need to be convicted, and there are certainly times we need to be brought to our knees, and we need to uh, cry out to God for forgiveness because we know we've been in the wrong. But once we do that, we are forgiven. We may still have consequences, but we're forgiven, and now we get to live in this new life. And the Bible says very specifically, take the old off. And live in the new. That can be hard to do because oftentimes guilt and conviction comes back into our minds. But if we've if we've resolved some things with God, then, then let it go. And live in the new. Paul himself, in a letter, he says, one thing I do in Philippians, forgetting what lies behind me and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Do you know the thing that seems to keep haunting him was his past. And sometimes our past can haunt us. God's forgiven us if we've made amends with Him, if we've made it right with Him. Let it go and cling to what is new. So if you'd like to know more about that, if you are saying, man, I'm still living in God's anger, I don't know how to deal with it, I don't know how to process this, then I'd love to take some time to talk through that with you. Would you like to know more about living in God's grace? Then you can check that or write that on the back, and uh, I'll follow up with you this week. Secondly, when life gets hard, do you tend to blame God for the circumstance you're in or do you run to God for help? Do you get angry at God? Do you say, oh, God, the reason I'm in this situation is because you did this and this and this, or why aren't you getting me out of this, God? Or, you know, and you go through this battle with God, are you, are you fighting God? Are you blaming God? Or are you turning to Him for help? God doesn't take great delight in watching us suffer. He's not up in heaven laughing at us when we're hurting. He hurts with us. He mourns with us. And I think one of the things that probably frustrates God the most is he's watching us being hurt, and he's sitting there going, "Why don't you just why don't you just turn to me? Why don't you just come back to me? Why are you trying to do this on your own? Why are you trying to go to all the gods that this world has to offer?" why are you going to entertainment? Why are you going to drinking? Why are you overeating? Why are you doing all these things that you feel are going to help you feel better about yourself when really you just need to come back to me? Right? So when life gets you hard, do you tend to blame God for the circumstance you're in or run to God for help? I'm going to pray and then I'll give you a moment to deal with those questions as we close. Father, we thank you that you remind us time and time again throughout your word, and this psalm reminds us, and David reminds us, that we need to come to you and wrestle with you. There are things in our lives that are difficult and are hard, but you continue to bring us back to yourself and show us that you're there to help us. Thank you that you do show grace and mercy. We don't deserve it, and that's why it's called grace and mercy, so thank you for that. Lord, forgive us for the times that we run in fear of your anger when you're so ready to give love and grace and compassion and help. But Lord, if there are things that are unresolved in our lives, may we be driven to our knees so that we do ask for forgiveness. And then may we live with confidence that you've forgiven and you're helping us along. You're patient. You are good. You're compassionate. And your love abounds. Thank you for that. May we reflect on these questions. Lead us in the direction you're taking us. May we reflect on them and grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So take a couple minutes and reflect on these questions.